Hey guys. Hey. Happy hey. holidays. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. You know what? I'm really excited this year because we're going to do a topic we've never really done before. That's true. Right? We, we, we've done Christmas. Yep. Done Christmas. Done done Yule. Done Yule. Done Hanukkah. Actually, we did Thanksgiving a couple years ago too. That's even more mm -hmm. awesome. So really all that's left is just talking about Kwanzaa. Yeah. That's awesome. Right. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, so what sort of funny... Cold open, could we do for Kwanzaa? You you mean three white people? The three white people in the room here. Yeah. Um, about that. Do you just want to get into the episode? Yeah, let's do that. Let's okay, do great. that. I love that. Welcome to Nerds on History. I am Brian Moriarty. I hope you all had a very happy and safe and merry Christmas. Speaking of which, you're probably wondering, why am I listening to the cold open from an episode that was released over a year ago? And the answer to that is very simple. Uh, Sarah and I had recorded a great episode on the history of skiing and of snowboarding, and uh, unfortunately none of the audio was usable due to a technical problem. And being so pressed for time, we could not record or re-record the episode to make our deadline. So what we're going to do instead is you will be listening to Older Than Kwanzaa, a redo of last year's Kwanzaa episode, appropriately timed for the first night of Kwanzaa. And then I will go back and I will read new feedback after the main content is done. So without further ado, here we go. Happy holidays. I really do mean that, guys. Happy holidays to you too, Brian. Yeah, yeah. I will accept your wish of happy holidays, and I will contemplate returning it by the end of this episode. <laughs> oh, I was hoping you were going to say, I see your happy holidays. <laughs> and I and raise, I raise you, you a happy new year. <laughs> <laughs> and I raise you a Festivus poll. Oh. <laughs> Festivus yeah. for the rest of we us. We kind of have that Coming that next lamp. year, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that lamp in the corner that we, we used like once. That almost has a festivist type look to it. Yeah, kinda. Yeah. I feel like we. I feel like yeah. Next year, all that's left will be doing a, a festivist. I don't know. I think. The, I, I think the ceremonial airing of personal grievances might be a bloodbath. Mm. I don't think we would survive it. <laughs> it might be the last podcast Nerdonomy ever produces. That actually might be true. This this whole operation is is solely fueled by tension. That's um, true. Sarah and I have had tension for almost a decade now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Love you, Sarah. Yeah, uh huh. Secretly hate you. Um, Not a secret. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hated by everyone. I've already accepted that. Yes. Says yes. the actual peacekeeper of the group. That's true, actually. I'm loved <laughs> by everybody. <laughs> He's hated by everyone, which is why he makes peace so well. That's yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Universally hated. Anyway, uh,. I have no segue for that. None I don't think so either. Um, you know what is a peaceful holiday? Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, indeed. And also a very young holiday. Yes. It is too. a very young holiday. Yeah, it's only 49 years old. This year will be its 50th anniversary, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, uh, that would make sense. 1966, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. 1966. So, so we have some parents who are who are older than, than Kwanzaa. Mm -hmm. My is. dad is definitely older than Kwanzaa. Oh, yeah. Definitely my parents, too. So. Hashtag older than Kwanzaa. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't um, negate it from being a cultural holiday. Yes, it's still young, but it doesn't make it not valid. No, and even though <laughs> the official name Kwanzaa being associated with the holiday is only 49 years old, the traditions that it is amalgamizing yeah. go back thousands of years. Yes. Uh, it goes back to actually 
coincidentally, it goes back to the first harvest festivals yeah. that were common uh, in certain countries within the within Africa. But before we jump right into that, let's talk about who actually created the Kwanzaa holiday. Yes, please. And it was created by Maulana Karenga, um, who was originally born as uh, Ronald Everett. He changed his name later on in his life um, after he was a student for quite some time doing um, Africana studies. And he actually is not he's actually a professor of Africana studies um, and he has a residency at CSU Long Beach to this day. Um, and he is kind of the creator of the um, of the Pan-African holiday. And he's a really big figure in the black power movement of the 1960s. And not to be mistaken or Ms. Misassociated with the Black Panther Party. No. Um, his party, he actually created, um, his party was called Us, as in Us Black People. Um, and uh, they actually kind of butt heads with the Black Panther Party, even though his community took a lot from Malcolm X um, and and really utilized that and helped fuel what yeah. they were doing. Um, but they there was a lot of um, infighting kind of yeah. among that movement. But... But he, but he really helped bring um, this whole pan-African idea to the forefront. This idea that um, through, through this use of cultural activism, yeah, yeah, the the idea that everybody in the African diaspora, or otherwise known as you know people who are of African descent, who were not necessarily born in Africa, not didn't them themselves originate from Africa, but their ancestors did, right? Um, you know, kind of the idea of creating a worldwide cultural community for people who have been displaced, um, mm. especially for those people in the United States um, who are victims of the slave trade, et cetera, et cetera. Right, who are the um, descendants of, of those people. Yes. So, you know, this whole idea that um, there could be some sort of unifying cultural holiday for people to reflect on that and meditate um, where they came from and, um, you know, kind of creating a space of their own. Um, you know, in the melting pot that is the U.S. or Canada right. or other places where um, it's very multicultural. Which is not an easy task because no. you're talking about a continent that is absolutely enormous yeah. in size. It is full of diversity. Mm -hmm. There are so many different cultural groups and languages and traditions. But among those are unifying traditions that honestly you can also look out and, and see in other cultures around the world. And that's what I think I like so much about yeah. You know, Kwanzaa is it is very multicultural because it goes back to, in a way, all of our roots. If you go back yeah. far enough in every culture everywhere in the world, you go back, the harvest traditions of which this holiday is based on are present absolutely everywhere. Sure. As soon as there was agriculture, there were holidays to celebrate yeah. the harvesting of, of food. And I think that's yeah. really great. And I think that was Karenga's intentions, too, because when you talk about the idea of Pan-Africanism, you're talking about the idea of solidarity, right? Yeah. That it is only through showing solidarity in our in our uh, common ancestors and our common traditions, and also within our differences too, that we can in fact prosper. Yes. Right. So. And it really does kind of bring us all back to the same place, right? Because you know, evolution is pretty clear. Uh, there's a lot of fact out there around this. We originated in Africa. Yep. We as the, the human species originated in Africa and, and emerged elsewhere from there. So those first groups of people mm -hmm. immigrated elsewhere and populated the rest of the world. Right. And this is more of a call, not a callback. This is more of a, of a way of reestablishing roots with your African culture. Yeah. yeah. This is what it is. It has very little to do with what has happened as a condition of 
where you are living, which is the unfortunately the creation of race as a social construct. Yeah. Correct. Right. But to be perfectly clear, this is a holiday that is intended for black descendants of Africa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not white long, 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 long descendants of Africa, but more recent descendants of Africa. Yeah. <laughs> um though there has been efforts to to be more inclusive of non-Africans in yes, Kwanzaa in recent uh, years. to a certain extent, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, as we but, go on later, yeah. Um, but, you know, the name itself of Kwanzaa um, actually comes from the first, fruit hol- first fruits holidays that you were talking about. The name Matunda Ya Kwanzaa means first fruits in Swahili, which was adopted as the Pan-African yeah. language. Um, th- one kind of big unifying language for people to talk to just because it is a widely spoken language um, language that originated yeah. in africa it right. is well so it's a it's kind of a mashup right because the the swahili language even though it's been spoken for thousands of years in africa it didn't actually take its written form until the spread of islam right into north africa uh and to which it was adopted which it adopted the arabic alphabet um from there yeah and arabic is currently the most widely spoken language just language in general in africa correct swahili is of the african languages yes the most widely spoken and uh to be clear here too swahili is spoken in kenya uganda tanzania mozambique and zimbabwe mm-hmm. uh and those are not necessarily the exclu- only languages spoken in those countries oh but they are spoken across no. those absolutely yeah. not no, there's there are, too many tribal languages there are thousands of yeah. languages spoken throughout the continent yeah exactly. absolutely so makes sense when you consider how widely spoken it is why to choose that as a language of pan-africanism and part of that movement so and it's also to your point a language that has a written form now that is widely understood and and taught and can be easily learned Mm -hmm. Uh, and so for a population who you know never grew up with that language in the household who wanted to embrace that language they would have a much easier time than doing that than a more obscure dialect located somewhere else. Yeah, in fact, even the word Swahili itself derives itself from Arabic, as it turns out, by the way. So, fun little fact to add on to that. Since we were talking about the first fruit festivals, why don't we get into the actual origins of those festivals? Because there there are a few that take place. Uh, Even within the country of Nigeria, two flavors of first harvest festivals. There is uh, Ikore, which is celebrated by the Yoruba people in Nigeria, and then there's the new yam festival so celebrated by the Igbo people of Nigeria. And uh, the the idea is very simple is that you know the the yam is is essential as an essential crop to that culture, right? So the idea of celebrating and harvesting the yams and feasting, having a ceremony with that, particularly the uh, the Iwaji ceremony, um, the yams are offered to the gods and ancestors before distributing them <coughs> to the villagers. And we see this in other cultures too. It's almost that almost gave me a call back to Dia de los Muertos. When you offer food to your to your ancestors before taking part of it yourself, well, give me a call back to Thanksgiving. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Only right. there were marshmallows in mine, right? <laughs> okay, right. And it's true because it, it is very much a callback to that because it just it's being done on the opposite side of the season. Whereas Thanksgiving was, if we have enough food, we're not gonna die, right? As it is in Thanksgiving in the New Yam festivals, it's like look at all the food we've got, everybody. Right. Let's eat. Because- you know. You know, because of where in the world it is at that, at the, what we traditionally consider to be winter, of course, would be their, their summer months. Yeah, kind of a happy little accident because uh, particularly Nigeria and Swaziland, Nigeria is right on the cusp of the equator. Uh, same as Ghana as well. But uh, Swaziland is in the south tip of Africa. So either way, as you get further down to that point, the seasons are already changing. Right. So, yeah, you're talking about early summer at this point. And, right. and 
to be also clear about these festivals, they're celebrated in either late December or early January, depending on the phase of the moon at that point. Um, whereas the one difference to that, as we evolve into Kwanzaa, is Kwanzaa is celebrated always on December 26th through January 1st, because they believe the, the first day of the year is the last day of Kwanzaa, which is a day of meditation. Yeah. Um, the one distinction I do want to call attention to, though, is how it's celebrated in Swaziland, uh, in, which is in the Inkwala. Um, and because that one is tied directly to the monarchy. The premise of that holiday is that in late December, uh, the men of Swaziland journey to the sea and they gather water so the Inkwala can begin. And the branches from the sacred uh, Lukaswane tree are woven into a bower for the king. And it's only when the king eats the first fruit that Inkwala can begin. And if there is no reigning king, there is no Inkwala that is celebrated. Obviously, people still celebrate the harvest because otherwise they would just starve. Right. Um, That's generally considered a bad thing. Correct. Now, considering that, you know, Africa has been no stranger to famine, depending on throughout the ages, the harvest is an important thing. It was to say, yes, we had a good season. We didn't. So in a way, it is kind of like Thanksgiving in the sense that we're not going to die, <laughs> die because we, we did grow, grow food. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more the season leading up to it was bountiful as opposed to the season after they're, they're preparing mm. for. This will sound like a joke, and it's not. I don't mean it to be. But I very legitimately wonder, what would happen if the king had a terrible allergy to yams? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. And I, I don't I don't say that to be funny. I'm just, I'm, I'm really wondering. Like, I mean, I kind of feel like in, in a lot of these regions, if you had an allergy to yams, you wouldn't eat much. Because, I mean, yams were really like such a core dietary staple. Yeah, yeah, they have so many nutrients in them. I mean, you can be a obviously, lot of other stuff. No, obviously you can still eat stuff, but it's kind of like... Are we sure it's yams? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, feel, feel, think of like how... I mean, for me personally, if somebody said you couldn't have cheese or potatoes, I'd be... Right. So that's what I'm saying. What if he couldn't eat the yam? What if he like had some sort of allergy to the yam? Would they still do that, the festival? Oh. Or would they just suspend the festival until they had a king who could eat yams? Or would he eat a proxy yam? Something that is... Yam-like. Yam-like. He would eat the yams and he would be sick because he has a duty to fulfill. <laughs> you know what? That's probably Anaphylactic the shock for his community. I, okay, first of all, being, you no, know, just like cutting to the chase, I don't think you can get anaphylaxis from a starch food. Mm. I, I really don't. I don't think there's anything in it that creates anaphylaxis. Mm. Um, so maybe just a, a, a rash. Correct. I'm not a nutritional biologist, nor am I any expert in any of the sciences. So if someone does know the answer to this question, please help us solve this academic theory we're trying to yes. pose. Do you have a, a particular root allergy? <laughs> no, but my father is extremely allergic to a lot of different foods. And I could only imagine that his people would starve yeah. if he was the one who was put in that place. Interesting. Very mm. interesting. Well... Especially with strawberries, because strawberries will kill him. You know, to, to, so anyway, moving right along. <laughs> Sorry, moving just, right along. I pose these questions, and I don't, re- I don't really think about the impact <laughs> that they have. That's totally okay. But you know, kind of something that was a fundamental activity of these of these harvest festivals um, really does translate over to to Kwanzaa as well, and that's in their um, kind of what they consider the five fundamental activities um, that one is supposed to perform during Kwanzaa. And do enlighten us, Sarah. What are those five activities? So. Those five activities are, um, first of all, uh, gathering of your community together, of your family, um, to kind of reaffirm your bonds 
with them, um, reverence uh, for the creator and creation, um, and kind of giving thanks, you know, uh, a time of commemoration. So you want to make sure that you are kind of remembering your past and your ancestors and your role models and, and really honoring them. Um, having a recommitment to, as I'm reading it here, the highest cultural ideals in the ongoing ongoing effort to always bring forth the best of African cultural thought and practice. Mm. Um, and then a time to celebrate the good. Um, the good of life, the good of existence, of social good, of natural good, of divine good, of all the positivity surrounding you. And so kind of really um, taking all of those ideas and those principles and and taking those activities and meditating on them and appreciating them. It's so interesting how every culture does this just so differently. Like mm-hmm. they have a different focus on it. And I really, I really like that focus of community of, of bonding of togetherness and also of, of remembrance of who you are and where you came from. And I think that's, I think it's such a cool take on it because if you look at, you look at Christmas and you look at Christmas as it is now, it has become so heavily commercialized. Right. And it's just, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because a lot of good stuff has come of that and has in turn produced that togetherness. Like yeah, how many it's people... people capitalizing on right. the good it's trying to do, right. yeah. But even still, like people still come together to watch, you know, like the Muppet Christmas movie and stuff sure. like that. That that brings families together. So even though it's commercialized, there's still a togetherness element of it. But we have to contend with that commercialization of it. That's because, you know, ever since the the dawning of the radio, when people would gather around to listen, right. yeah. media became a, a form of celebration for families, of togetherness yeah. by not actually talking to each other. Well we, well, we also, we talked about this a couple different times. One, a couple of years ago when we talked about the nativity scene, when we talked about, we also talked about this in our Grinch episode on Nerds on Film, is that Christmas has been struggling with a fight for with commercialism for 900 years mm-hmm. now yeah and even Hanukkah age. is starting to have to contend with it a lot every i think holiday as it gains more and more followers eventually somebody's going to try to figure out a way to sell it yeah and it's become within western culture it's become the modus operandi of the of industrialism it just it is what it is is it wrong hard to say because yes it's also it's enabled all all these people to have this togetherness like you've said and it's also enabled lots of good to have happened but at the same time black friday deals are just evil and they should be Mm -hmm. they should be eradicated from this planet do you really need to spend on another television that you probably just bought one new one less than a year ago no you don't you really don't thankfully Kwanzaa has been surprisingly resilient to commercialism, much to the chagrin of advertisers. But um, yeah, there's been a couple attempts that have just kind of flat out failed because of the insensitivity uh, toward the holiday that the advertisers were showing. Right. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. But that's good, though. I feel like it's able to retain so much of of what it is. And Mm -hmm. I would hope that 200, 300 years from now, Kwanzaa is still able to do that. Yeah. Because it didn't happen for Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. And... (laughs) And I think, um, you know, the, it's pretty interesting because I think the the root of that really goes into the seven principles. Thank you of Kwanzaa that that really help root it and and it's because it's so clearly laid out when it, when you 
when you look at Christmas and we always say, oh, it's all about it's about giving. It's about giving. But then the other half of giving is taking. So there's that kind of issue there. But if you look at if you look at Kwanzaa, they have seven principles very much laid out that say this is what this holiday is about. Right. You've got uh, Umoja, which is unity. Mm hmm. Right. And that's to strive for and maintain unity um, in the family, community, nation, and race. Correct. Uh, the Kuji Chagulia, which mm-hmm. is self-determination. Yeah. And that, that one is specifically about defining ourselves, naming ourselves, create for ourselves, and speak for ourselves. Uh, there's a Ujima, which is collective work and responsibility, working to help each other and in the community. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to clarify. I'm not going to say any of these because I'm going to butcher the names. I know. I was like, and Eric's I like, thank God want, we're, we're covering this. I don't want to be dis- disrespectful. I just, Everyone I, knows I butcher names. Do we want to make a quick call back to last year when I was given all the hard names during the <laughs> yeah. Christmas traditions in Africa? And I was, I was going, mmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was, we should have called that episode the episode of mmms mm. because there was a lot of them. But you've come so far, right? You've come so far. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. We'll see. Uh, there's also the... Uh, the Ujama, which is cooperative economics, working to build shops and businesses, kind of a support of small business if you really think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Your community, another way of supporting your community. Uh, there's the Nia, which is purpose, remembering and restoring uh, African-based cultures and customs and history. The Kumba, uh, creativity, using your imagination and creativity to make communities better. I think we can all support that. And then uh, the Imani, which is faith. faith. Actually, real quick, I think yeah. one. I think one of the biggest points of of the creativity principle, yeah, um, is that it's to make the community more beautiful and beneficial than how it was inherited. So it really is about a thing about not just making things beautiful, but let's but being like, responsible with and, it too. and overcoming. There's that sense of there's that sense of overcoming as yeah. a community. Um, that's extremely important. Yeah. And then, of course, Imani, which is faith, and that is believing in people, believing in families, leaders, teachers, and the righteousness of the African-American struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you look at those themes, and you can see the historical context for what, yeah. why these were developed, right? You're talking about looking for ways that we can overcome the elephant in the room, which is racism, that we're going to overcome yeah. you know, social inequality. Sure. Well, they right? speak to the time. You know, this was created in the 1960s. This is right at the height of the civil rights movement when mm-hmm. so much progress was was finally being made after so many years of, of struggle. Yeah. Uh, and yet there was still so much and still is so much uh, to be done. And this is, in a way, kind of a, a guide map to make sure that people stay aligned with that, that, that this is the beginning and not an end. Uh, and that's a good thing. That's a great message, I think. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wish it was a message that would be adopted by all peoples around the world. Sure. Uh, because I feel like uh, I feel like so much of Kwanzaa is so much about community and inclusion. And I just feel like that is honestly, from a world perspective, just kind of missing right now. Yeah. Well, and it's it's inclusion. It's inclusion for a community to elevate a specific community. Yeah. Clearly. Um, and we should all elevate each other. Absolutely. Ele- ele- elevate. Each community so that they in turn can elevate everyone else. Absolutely. But baby steps, right? Yeah. And Kwanzaa is a really is a really great step for the African-American community or the Pan-African community to help elevate itself. Um, do you want to talk about the symbols of Kwanzaa and how they lay everything out on the table, literally? Oh, yeah. <laughs> literally. I do. I totally do. I'm actually really excited about this. I just need to pull up my notes. For it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Let me talk about how excited I am as I pull up my notes. 
Here we are. I have the notes, everybody. I have them. They're right here, right in front of me. Um, well, first off, the one that comes, the symbol that comes to mind right away is the Kinara, right? The candelabra that you see that is very reminiscent of a menorah. In fact, mm -hmm. it's actually in its purpose and design identical to a menorah uh, that is not related with Hanukkah because I don't know if many people know, but in common in practicing Jewish households, there is a menorah that you you bring out for the eight days of Hanukkah. Then you take there's a menorah that's also just for days of the of the week right. as well, right? And it's the idea of symmetry. There's three candle holders to one side, three to the other, and then in the center is a, a, a one candle for basically creating the sense of symmetry and unity. And that is absolutely the case in the creation of the Kinara, because three of the candles are red three of the candles are green and the one in the center is black right and those are colors that are um, reflective of the pan-african flag and um, right. our colors found in a lot of um, african flags um, traditional african flags but um, the colors themselves um, symbolize on the flag and in the candles uh, black for black people um, red for the past and where they came from and green for where they are going and the prosperity to come correct Awesome. Um, and so if you were to, to create, you know, a decorative devotion to Kwanzaa, the, the Kinara would absolutely be at the center, but what would also be around it, right? And what would be around it would be the Makeka, which is the, the mat at the bottom. Uh, and it's meant to symbolize the foundation from which you build, right? And then on top of that, you would have the Mazao, which is the, the crops, which of course I mean, makes sense because you're bringing it back to the harvest traditions. The Muhindi, which is the corn, symbolic of children and the future which they embody. Of course, the candles themselves, which are called the Musama Saba, that would go in the Kinara. Uh, and then also the Kikombe Cha Amuja, which is the unity cup. And it looks like a like a like a wooden carved chalice, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and it's symbolic of the foundational principle and practice of unity, which makes all else possible. And then finally, uh, Zawadi, the gifts. Uh, which are, you know, it's symbolic of labor, of love, and parents, and commitments being made and kept by children. So uh, not necessarily to be, to be uh, misassociated with the gift giving that you would have at Christmas. It's not intended to be that way at all. Though there have been efforts to kind of make Kwanzaa more inclusive of the Christmas holiday as well. There was originally a very distinct line between celebrating Kwanzaa versus celebrating Christmas. But uh, still allowing for the celebration of both. It's just once one yeah. finished, you began the other. And there yeah. was a very clear difference between the two. Correct. Right. And that lends itself to the, the self-determination principle right. of trying to define, you know, what that holiday was really about. Absolutely. However, many households that do celebrate Kwanzaa and Christmas at the same time have become far more comfortable allowing the two to, to kind sure. of coexist. Blend and, a little bit Yeah, more. it's not yeah. uncommon to have the Kanara and also uh, the Christmas tree in the same household, displayed at the same time. Sure. Um, many times it gets put out around the time of Christmas, and then when the Christmas tree goes away or the holidays just kind of shift, then it, it, it shifts its focus. I would love to see what it's like if you are in, like, an Ethiopian household. Because even though Ethiopia is in northern Africa, see if you had a mixed African family where one was from the Ethiopian lineage and one was from the equatorial African lineage. And the Ethiopian family was of Ethiopian Jewish heritage, and that the the ones from mm. Swaziland or from Ghana were of, or you know, or they're trying to, to recreate that sense. So you could potentially be celebrating all three holidays simultaneously: Ugh. Hanukkah, Christmas, and Kwanzaa. Do you think that exists? 
I have no idea. Listeners, if you know that exists, <laughs> let us know. Please I think, tell I think, me. I think the mongoose equation deems that it it, it must, must exist and or may in the future. But it's like it's like one family probably out there who does, and they have just mega holiday basically because there are those rare years where Hanukkah does fall on the same time. I mean, period even, as Christmas. Even then, if you have a an in the United States a Jewish parent, and then say like. And then a say a, a an African American Christian parent that they could potentially celebrate all all three holidays. There you go. Right there, boom, done. All the presents. <laughs> all the presents. Happy all the holiday, time. everybody. All the presents. <laughs> Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. <laughs> and that's a legit way of saying it at that point. Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. Yeah. So, um, but that's not to say that those symbols are all that you're allowed to have. Um, of you course know, not. They a lot of times people will um, hang a poster that shows the seven principles. Right, it's called an ngozo saba. Yeah, or they'll hang the bandera, the flag right. of the people. Um, or you can also, you know, decorate with um, African artwork of, of um, you know, African clothing. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, people will dress in more tra- traditional African dress. Um, right, in the kente cloth. Kente cloths, um, right. dashikis, et cetera. Right. Um, and, you know, using, having woven bowls out or having, um, you know, wooden carved bowls or carved artwork, et cetera, showcasing, again, the culture that your that your people come from. Correct. Well, the other thing I find interesting, too, is that, you know, if you were to celebrate a, a Kwanzaa with your family, too, there is definitely, even though there is this connection with African roots, there's also a lot of common American food, like, that would be celebrated at a Kwanzaa meal. Mm-hmm. It's not like a completely traditional African Right meal, so it would be a lot of the same foods that you would be normally eating to, for a regular Sunday dinner, for mm-hmm. example. Uh, but one thing that is always there, you know, we talked about the cup as a symbol um, during your your Kwanzaa meditation and during your um, during the ceremonies, you would have libations in that cup, and then you pour it as an offering um, to your ancestors and, and to is, the Creator. Again, a tradition that heralds back to so many ancient mm-hmm. cultures. Absolutely. Yeah. Ancient Egyptians were doing it all the time. It just spilled water on everything. Said, no, that's for my ancestors. And that's for my ancestors. Yep. You know what? You. And they throw the water at them. And you are for my ancestors. <laughs> yes. The, except I don't I don't think that it happens so aggressively uh, in, yeah, yeah, in this true. version. That's probably for thank the Thank you. Yeah. Because squirt guns could be very popular. You're my ancestors. Yeah. Okay. Not on not on the last day, Kwanzaa. That's for sure. <laughs> that would probably be anti Kwanzaa. Yes, it would. Yes, um, it would. Why don't we wrap up the basic description of Kwanzaa with mm-hmm. the the understanding of the last day, right? The day of the med- meditation, uh, which again happens on January first, and uh, the idea is it's supposed to be a time to reassess things that you have done and things that you are to do. It actually kind of reminds me a lot of Yom Kippur uh, in the Jewish calendar, even though they call it the Day of Atonement. It is kind of a, a day of reflection and a day of Though in the Jewish tradition, it's asking forgiveness for the wrongs you have done. This is more of, okay, what do I have to focus on for the next year to follow these seven principles of Kwanzaa? Yeah, it's funny how New Year's Day often ends up being that for so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hangovers tend to do that. Yeah. <laughs> A day of quiet self-reflection of what you just did last night. Yeah. Uh, all benefit from that. I love that this note's my hair. It said it's a sober assessment. Yes. Of things done and things to do. Yeah. Emphasis on sober. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and not to make light of this, obviously. No. This is, this no. is one of the most Very important clearly. ways to end the holiday itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also, and like you said, there's also the remembrance of the ancestors that uh, ties so strongly into this as well. Mm-hmm. 
So now that we can understand that, we were talking about how Kwanzaa, even though it's short 49 year history, has been fairly resilient mm-hmm. to uh, to commercialism. It has not been immune, though, to commercialism. Uh, I hate to say it, the Chris Mahana Kwanzaa joke I made a few minutes ago is an example of that. That was, uh, was, that that was a commercial. It was a Verizon wireless commercial. Or it was mm. either... It were, it was either a singular. It was it was a cell phone commercial for sure. I don't even remember what the commercial was for, but I remember Chris. Mahana but I Kwanzaa. think it was I think it was either AT and T or Verizon, and it was Chris Mahana Kwanzaa's event was it was basically this December long event, where you know you were just getting a good deal on a cell phone, and yep. because Kwanzaa is meshed into the portmanteau that is that word. Uh, unfortunately, that means that it got commercialized. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, it was the idea of like wanting to say we're including all winter holidays. You know, right, so. right. There was also, but wasn't it? There was also a, a gin like marketing campaign too that was that some advertising agency came up with. Uh, yes, there there was uh, quite to the dismay of <laughs> many people who celebrate the holiday. It was pretty offensive in an attempt to commercialize off the holiday. Uh huh. I don't even know. I don't even remember the name of the company now. But they had created gin that was meant to be poured out of the cup as the libation, and it was meant to be, like, the gin for the... Poured into the Unity Cup. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. That's great. For for the Kwanzaa celebration. And uh, obviously people were totally taken back by it. It was not not, not the way to do that. No, that was really sure. bad. Really bad. Yeah. I would say another unsuccessful addition to that would be the idea of trying, in, in an attempt to bridge Kwanzaa to Christmas, would be the idea of the Kente Clause. Yeah. Which is really no more than just a Santa Claus with with African features mm-hmm. wearing the kente cloth. Uh, it is otherwise you look at it and you would think it looks like Saint Nicholas, basically. Uh, and it was introduced in the the mid to late nineties uh, as an attempt to to pull us off. They made little figurines. There was even actors who were perform, uh, hired to perf- uh, perform as kente claws at public you know malls like you would see. In fact, I think Macy's even did a tie-in where there was a tour, a Kente Claus tour, where there was one day of the year where you can go meet Kente Claus alongside Santa Claus. And then it just seemingly disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, and you know, our research for it, it kind of ended up a dead end. So, you know, if there's anybody out there who can help clarify, I mean, obviously it just didn't gain traction because I think that sounds like it more has to do with the, the more the acceptance that you could celebrate Christmas interchangeably with Kwanzaa as opposed to needing to be exclusive to one or the other. Yeah, and I think the idea was that, you know, is it really just an African an African Santa Claus, a black Santa Claus, versus something that was actually used for Kwanzaa? So right. we really only found kind of one article that really tied the two together. Which is a so, New York Times article, if you're interested in finding it. It's called, New Symbol of the Holidays has a, has a Mission, Not a Belly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see any of the principles... Yeah. Of Kwanzaa in that. So No, other so than the not... gifts, but again, it's not the gifts in the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing I do kind of want to talk about, um, you know, because I would feel like if we don't mention it, we're going to have some listener write-in about it. So I kind of want to go ahead and get ahead of this. Um, people that... love, people get very touchy about their Christmas episodes. They, they do. Sure. We lost a listener last year because of misinformation. <laughs> so <laughs> Kwanzaa is not without its controversy. A little bit. Yes. And... Um, you know, specifically kind of where it came from and the creator of the holiday. Um, Melana Karanga doesn't like to talk about it, but he um, was a member of the organization Us, and he was a member of the Black Power Movement, and he was along the lines of probably some of the more violent principles um, that were 
you know, happening at the time. You know, you kind of look at the dichotomy between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And I believe I mentioned this, but he followed a lot more of the principles of uh, Malcolm X. And he did spend some time in prison. And he he says that it, he was there as a political prisoner and um, he was allegedly, you know, he was put away allegedly for um, <laughs> being compliant to torture of women in his in the organization, um, beating women with electrical cord or at least being party to it. Um, his estranged wife said that, you know, she was forced to take part of that as well. But, you know, that's that again, that's alleged. I'm not I'm not here to say anybody did do anything. I don't really want to kind of get into that. But, um, you know, just uh, the facts that I have. Right. We're, we're not, not we're to not, a court of law. Yeah. yeah so and then, but we're not investigators into this. We don't, yeah, we don't have an opinion no. one way or another because we don't really know what happened. And yep. Is there a possibility for him to have been, you know, as he as he says, a subject of, you know, Political, political intrigue, motives, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And this, and uh, certainly. It's, injustice, it's, essentially. Yeah. Is it possible? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, and that's not why we're bringing this up. No. And then the other um, the other part of it, too, being that the organization Us, Us was at odds with the Black Panther Party quite a bit um, in its beginnings and as time went on. And, you know, there was a lot of violence on the street between the two groups, a lot of infighting within the Black Power Movement. Um, on as to who was going to be the the forefront organization, the forefront community builder. Um, so, you know, could, does Kwanzaa maybe have some more violent roots? Possibly. But we've also kind of the the holiday itself shouldn't be punished for um, kind of the historical context that it was birthed from, I guess. Um, if the principles, if you follow yeah. the seven principles, it is a peaceful time. Yeah, the principles do not support violence. No, not at all. And the celebration doesn't support violence. And the other thing, too, is, you know, some people do have issues with, um, I mean, I don't personally, but some people do have issues of a cultural holiday that's, you know, appearing to be very seclusionary and, and supposed to be for the specific community. But, um, you know, if you go to the official Kwanzaa website, because they have one, it's called officialkwanzaawebsite.org. And can I just say for a moment how interesting it is to when you're researching a holiday to know mm -hmm. that there is not just one A website, there is the authoritative website. The website. Run by the creator of the holiday. Himself. Himself. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, he might want to get a new website designer because it looks a little dated it's with the web design. But, very dated. Yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, the information on there is... Very good. Yeah, very it's good legitimate. Resource. Yeah, and that we live in an age where that we can say probably for for the first time that a primary source is a website yeah. versus a being a secondary resource. Yeah, for something that's kind of crazy. That's great. Yeah, it's very helpful. Um, and if you kind of go into, they have like a frequently asked question section. I really enjoyed kind of perusing that, and it was like, is this a holiday just for Black people? Is this a holiday just for just for Pan African people? And to put it bluntly, yes. But that's not to say that um, it can't be uh, shared and displayed for other people to see and appreciate. So um, kind of in the way that on St. Patrick's Day, you'll see a lot of Irish dancing or a um, parade or a parade yeah. Yeah. Um, in for Cinco de Mayo. You tend to see a lot of um, Mexican cultural celebrations and, and festivities going on um, as a way in of, the United States. You in the that. United States. Yeah. As a in way Mexico, of, kids get the day off of school. Exactly. Like, you know, they're like, whatever. Or maybe actually, they may not even get the day off of school. But it's, but, it's, yeah. but you know what I'm I know saying. What you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, most Americans think it's Mexican Independence Day, and which is already, in September. Yeah, yeah. we we've already 
looking for i was what listen to i was hoping for tacos yeah parts one and two we covered it already yeah go back enjoy but the point being um in the sense that this is a really good opportunity to showcase pan-african movement um african culturalism pan-africanism um for people to observe and enjoy and appreciate yeah but yes it is it is a holiday for pan-african people and i think i've, I've kind of alluded to it a few times because you know you guys know me our listeners should know me by now unless you're a new listener in which case hi um i don't belong to any kind of specific religion or creed mm-hmm. or anything like that and i love well, his creed every- is nerdism that's his going exactly true yeah. creed. I, I love i love everything in the world and i appreciate everything and i'm able to pull all these things from all these awesome holidays that happen including kwanzaa so i can look at kwanzaa and say oh this is something really super yes. awesome that happens within kwanzaa and let that enrich my life yeah absolutely and um also, another very clear distinction. This is not a religious holiday whatsoever. It right. is a cultural holiday. Right. Correct. Very specifically, they, may, they trust me, on this website, it is very clearly yeah. said as a cultural holiday. Yeah, and that's true. And, I mean, that's similar to how Yule is, too. Yule is never meant to be, was never really truly meant to be a religious holiday. Of course, there were religious figures that ended up being worked into it based on your geography, right? We, there's a lot of Norse integration into that. But, yeah, it was meant to be, oh, hey, it's winter. Let's celebrate light and darkness. By the way, I do think it is interesting that, that there's a parallel amongst all of the December holidays uh, that the lighting of the Canara, again, the idea of light, mm-hmm. all of them have this idea about showing light in a time of darkness, even though it's summer, though, uh, which I, I guess because it's an American holiday, it's still both summer and winter. Not in, necessarily in a way. American, just it's there for anybody who's of the African diaspora. It's predominantly celebrated yes. in the U.S. No, no, there are and, there are Kwanzaa celebrations or first, not Kwanzaa directly, but there are our first mm-hmm. harvest festivals festivals celebrated in Dublin with the Nigerian people who have been diaspora from. Sure. Um, and Kwanzaa's also, you know, got a more of a foothold in Canada too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Canada exactly. and also um, in some parts yeah. of um, Central America too. Yeah. I just I, I was just wanted to call up again that cultural connection of light that we mm-hmm. all that there's a human fascination with light and a human fascination with the idea of light being able to bring people together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something very powerful about that that symbolism. Well, you think about the first hunter gatherer tribes. What did they all gather around in the evening? The fire. Right. It kept yeah. you safe, allowed you to see dangers, warded off you know dangerous animals from coming to you. Yeah. Uh, it actually is what encouraged domesticated animals. So you know. You're welcome, Sarah, because um, I know you're very big on domesticated animals. Sure. Just say history. Yeah. You know, it just makes me wonder if we were a nocturnal species versus a non. Uh, a, what's the word for when you live with daywalkers? <laughs> daywalkers. Daywalkers. <laughs> we just turned this into a vampire movie episode. Um, uh, it just No, it, it does beg the question, if we were a nocturnal species, what would our symbolism be with the moon? Would it be, would it be... You know, the stars, like what are, I just, it just, it, it'd probably be high pitched squealing <laughs> for echolocation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. So we're all, we're all now oh bat people. Oh my God. We yeah. would totally worship sonar. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. And we all have a mantle of the bat that we all yeah. bow down in front Which of. Which Brian already has one, of course. Different kind of bat. Oh yeah. That's, right. That's a bat man as right. opposed to, you know, <laughs> regular. <laughs> Well, <clears throat> on that note, um, <laughs> should we get into some listener feedback then? Let's do it. And there you have it, nerds. Hope you enjoyed it. So now we'd like to take a moment and get into our recent listener feedback. This week in listener feedback. 
Our first feedback comes from Jamie. Subject, stuff and things. Message is, what up, nerds? My name is Jamie. I'm from Durango, Colorado. I get warm fuzzies every time you mention Durango, The Animus, and Steamworks on your show. I've been listening for about a year now. Andy recommended your channel to me. Andy, of course, being one of our listeners from Durango. Thank you, Andy. We appreciate that. Uh, and have finally caught up on the old episodes. I love the humor and the brevity and that all of you bring to each topic, as well as how you add context to the various events and people you discuss. I especially loved your coffee and tea episode. I think you should also do one on chocolate and the Platypus of Languages episode. Uh, and they had some other episode suggestions, but I'll get to those in a moment. Hope you are having a fantastic December, and I can't wait to tune into the next episode. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you very much. I had a lot of fun doing the coffee and tea episode, and I know Eric did too. Uh, our next one comes from Ellie. Uh, subject, hi again. Hey, nerds, it's Ellie again. I was really ex uh, excited today when you gave my, me a shout-out on NOH, though I was a little disappointed that you didn't read at least one of my emails, but it's fine. Sorry, Ellie. You sent like four, so we didn't want to favor one over the other. But since you sent one this time, you get your your little time uh, with us. So that was awkward. <laughs> okay, but moving on. Uh, I'm writing you today about your mention of Norse mythology and what I'm pretty sure is that it starts with light episode. And you actually are correct. That was the episode we did about Yule in which our friend Brett uh, guest hosted with us. You mentioned a Norse goddess by the name of Frigga, and I'm here to clear up, clear that up. There are two goddesses that have this name similar to that. Uh, first is Frigg, the all-mother and the wife of Odin, and there is Freya, the goddess of love and fertility, and sister to Frey, the god of summer and fertility deity. Now, one of the main differences between these two ladies is that Frigg is of the Isa, which is the war clan, and if you would, of the gods who live in Asgard, and while Freya is from the Vanir, the nature clan, who live in Vanaheim. And to quote you guys, don't take my word for it, please do your own research. Absolutely, and thank you for clearing that up for us. Much appreciated. Uh, I thought I'd heard Frigga as an alternative pronunciation of Frigg, but thank you for straightening that up. Um, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Stay nerdy. Well, thank you very much, Ellie. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas as well. Uh, our next piece of feedback comes from Dan, as well as John via Facebook. Uh, Dan sent us an email, though. Uh, it's regarding our last episode uh, on uh, Ye Old Pinterest, and it was regarding the Venacht marked and Kreiskin marked. Um, I'm going to summarize both of these. Uh, for the record, I did know that Kreiskin marked meant Christ child market because Kreiskind is the German word for Christ child, and Markt is just the word for market. But um, regarding uh, Venacht marked, um, it the word Venachten. It uh, has nothing to do with wine, obviously. That was a joke that I was making. Uh, but uh, although wine may be served there, uh, it actually comes from the verb uh, vichen, which coming to consecrate or sanctify, and noct, of course, is the word for night. So it's holy night, essentially, not unlike O Holy Night, the uh, Christmas carol. Uh, love the show. Keep it nerdy, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Uh, speaking about keeping it nerdy, we... Uh, well, there's no easy way to say this, but we've come to a crossroads on Nerds on History, and uh, Eric has some family health troubles that he has to attend to, which is going to require him to leave the show uh, permanently. And Sarah and I had a conversation, and we thought that, you know, truth be told, 
Eric is the soul of Nerds on History. There is really no way we could do the show without him and have it really be the show that it is, you know, and not that shows don't change, but it would feel like something was truly, truly missing, and it would be a husk, I think, of what the show uh, really was. So um, this episode was the penultimate episode of Nerds on History. The next episode uh, that we produce will be the final episode, uh, at least for now. We know it's hard to say, but at least now for the next couple of years, and um, it breaks my heart to have to, to be the only person to share this with you um, but it is what it is, um, and I'm sure we're going to get lots of feedback about that, but um, we want you guys to know that you mean everything to us, and we will get the episode to you sometime in January. I can't confirm when yet, because due to Eric's schedule, we want him to absolutely be a part of it, and Sarah as well, so all three of us will be there, and we'll do something special for you guys, um, so keep on the listening for it, keep on the lookout for it, and uh, we will have it to you sometime then, okay? Uh, in the meantime, um, please, by all means, do give Nerds on Film a try if you haven't yet. It is definitely much more adult, got a lot more uh, blue humor and <laughs> bad words in it, but it is truly um, a very fun podcast, a very funny podcast, and we do get into some great conversation about film and television now as well, too. So uh, if you haven't, please do that. And uh, otherwise, you know, we, uh, we're we going to skip the normal spiel about how to spread the word of nerd because we, we know you will continue to do that now. So tune in to our next final episode sometime in January. And until we meet again, stay nerdy. Happy New Year.